0: to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Hello, lady friends, Julie Graham here, co-host of the Grit and Grace Life, and I'm
1: also an average single mom who is admittedly still getting used to the whole single mom gig. And I am Darlene Brock, and I am the mother of two adult daughters, and I can tell you, my house became clean when they
0: went to college. Well, friends, we have an exciting opportunity today to introduce you to one of our new friends. Um, You know that we love here at the Grit and Grace Project to share stories of real life where we've had to tap into our grit and our grace in order to walk this life. And we want to get to share with you a story today um, that we know that you're going to be encouraged by. But before we get to our story, let's just meet her. Welcome to the show, Miss Cameron James.
2: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Good we to
0: have you. We are so glad to have you. Um, so we've said it a couple times that you definitely have a story to share, but you don't just jump right into your story, do you? I don't <laughs> think you do. You kind of have to introduce yourself a little <laughs> yes, bit. Yes, you do.
2: So a little bit of background here, Cameron. Um, sure. Well, I'm a, a military brat. I grew up um, living all over the world, which was, I'm the o- oldest of four kids, but lived in Spain and Germany and Turkey from the time I was 11 to 17. Came back mm-hmm. to the States, went to Belmont University. Always knew I wanted to be a singer and songwriter. Um, at Belmont, I studied music business marketing, wanting to learn the, the business side of things, not just the performance side. Um, and ended up marrying somebody who went to Belmont. He's a music business executive at BMI. And Nashville is, the longest
1: place I've ever lived anywhere. Wow. That's impressive. Spain, Turkey, Germany, and and Germany. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's I'm, I feel
0: really small right now. (laughs) But are you also feeling a little reminiscent talking about the music
1: business? That's fun. I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And I love Nashville. We lived there for a very Mm -hmm. long time and had a record company and all that. But
2: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it is awesome. It was a great season. So I, a little reminiscent, but Cameron, and I also know the um, challenging side of the uh, music business like, <laughs> yeah, the, the got to leave home for a while, got to juggle the home front while we're, you know, for me, it was I would travel with my bands, and one time with my daughter. I can't believe I'm going here. Um, <laughs> I'm on the phone with my husband, and she's like four, and she's sticking tweezers in the electrical outlet, oh, no. and I'm all the how <laughs> many oh, hundreds God. of miles away, you know? Yeah,
2: yes. 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 No, so. it, it, it's it's definitely um, sometimes a juggle, and I think for me, I I feel like because I'm the mom of of two amazing children. I have a two year old son named Cade, and a beautiful seven year old um, daughter that you'll hear about, and I. I think I've learned a lot about um, that. That I God can do a lot with my fragments of time. Mm-hmm. I think my story as you're going to hear. It did not play out the way that I thought it was going to when I was a when I was younger and dreamed about my life. And I think being a creative, sometimes when you look at situations that are not like everybody else's, it's easy to be discouraged and go, "Well, how can A plus B equal C? How do I how do I get there if I don't have the same." time or the same resources. Even though I've had some storms that I have weathered and, and hits that I never dreamed I was gonna take, I am I am grateful that I that again I thought God is anointed fragments of my time and I have been able to write music and collaborate and and continue to do both continue to be a mother Mm -hmm. and at the same time you know be a a songwriter and be an artist but that is definitely a day-to-day you know juggle and there's nothing you know easy about it but I'm I'm grateful I'm able to do both right
0: now. That's great. Well, you definitely have hinted a little bit about some of your story. And, and Darlene and I know that a lot of it starts with um, your daughter, Elise. So will you go ahead and begin to tell us a little bit about some of those life twists and turns that you have experienced, um, things that you've had to overcome?
2: Sure. So I was 30 years old when I got pregnant with the, with my daughter and gave birth right before my 31st birthday. And I had waited because I was a you know a, a pursuing some of my you know, dreams. Mm -hmm. I I was married for five years before I had Elise and first year was just magical. I I had no idea how much I would love being a mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you, I, it, so few things are not like the movies, but I I will say that the minute I held my daughter, that was a surreal out of body, instantly fell in love. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, this has changed me forever. And, um, you know, the She was always a little bit petite. I don't think I, looking back now, recognize some of the signs that I see now that she had some low muscle tone. And at a year, my story kind of picks up at Elise's her one year pediatrician visit, they they were concerned that she was a little late in some of her motor skill milestones. She didn't sit up at six months, sat up at nine months. And at a year, she was almost crawling, but not quite. And my pediatrician was like, you know, most babies aren't walking at a year, but most babies are crawling. So let's do an MRI and let's just see if there's more information to, to maybe explain why she's having these developmental delays which at first I was terrified I'm like what do you what do you mean why are we needing to do this well as a mother I can't
0: even imagine what that would be like for you
2: you know I very much believe that God reveals so he can heal you know and sometimes the revealing is the hardest part um but I was like you know if there is something going on we do need to bring it out into the light so we can deal with it so at one year I would say the first mountain was that it was revealed that sometime in utero she was without oxygen mm. and we have no idea how i was never unconscious never had a fever they think that maybe when her brain was forming that there are these valves that maybe one temporarily closed off and prevented blood flow but bottom line is that she had apparently suffered a lack of oxygen one time that had caused brain damage to the white matter in the back of her brain. And we have gray matter and white matter. White matter is the highways. And, and they said that it, you know mostly the in, in the back of the brain is audio and visual and motor skills her you know vision was fine her hearing was fine but explained the motor skill delay so we were referred to a you know a pediatric neurologist mm-hmm. who kind of basically said you know here's the thing we don't we don't know how bad this will be you know a brain is full size at 25 and and there is something called neuroelasticity where if one pathway or highway is damaged if you stimulate the brain the brain can rewire and make a new pathway Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like you know what let's just flood her little brain with therapy and make some new pathways and just kind of
1: start the journey i can't imagine a journey like this cameron that any mom would want to take so did you feel very alone did you feel isolated did you have other friends who had dealt with this
2: I was the first of my friends to have anything wrong with their baby. I mean, I couldn't even say brain damage in the beginning because sure. I was so sad. How, how did this happen? I prayed over my little one from the moment I found out I was pregnant. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I and it was this weird, you know, I, don't, I personally, because of my faith, I don't I don't believe God is the author of of disease and, and disorder and dysfunction. I, I think that, you know, the enemy is the one who's in charge of that, but it was still this, if God didn't do this, I only, I knew that he was the only one that could help me and help fix this and heal her. Mm. And so I started this, you know, therapy journey of going to a place called high hopes here in in Franklin, Tennessee. Mm. And she started physical therapy three times a week. And I also um, became a part of a program through the state called Tennessee early intervention, had a therapist come to my home. And I was kind of thrust into this new world of like, of this special needs world, you know, mm-hmm. which is, is, um, hard when, when, cause it was so unfamiliar. And mm-hmm. I, I think I was still grappling with why, why are we here? But I was faithful to go because, you know, I love my kid. And if this is going to help then we're going to do whatever we need to do to get help. And, and I'm so glad because right off the bat, you know, these, these therapists were we're little miracle workers. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you want to go see miracles, you go spend time in a place like High Hopes, mm-hmm. where you see kids who are way worse off than my daughter, overcoming things that they never thought they were supposed to. And I, I don't know, the my my paradigm started to shift of like, hold on a second. You know, I got to leave. Don't judge the future based on the present. I need to leave room for surprises, for the miraculous, for the turnaround. Mm-hmm. So what are some
0: of the miracles that you did start to see? I mean, there was a little bit of a turnaround. She did start to
2: improve, right? She started crawling within the first month. Took a whole year. She did not walk till she was two. You know, that was a, a solid year of going to therapy, having working with a the therapist at home. We had homework every day. But I also started writing scripture out loud. I, I, someone gave me a book by Charles Caps called God's Creative Power. And it's about the power of the spoken word that, you know, faith comes by hearing about how, you know, God's word goes forward and it doesn't return void. That something happens when he's, you know, God hovers over his word, faithful to perform it. So I started writing these scriptures out loud on index cards. And I was the type that if I prayed it was over meals. You know, Mm -hmm. I never got used to the, you know, in the Mm -hmm. beginning, it was weird, the sound of my own voice. But I started, you know, speaking things like the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, bringing life to every cell of your body. And that, she would get three meals and a snack. And that Mm would I put them over my, my pantry and I just started reading them to her. And at some point it started to feel different. Like I got, you know, the awkwardness of just reading them out loud and hearing my own voice started to change to, it was like salve to an open wound you know Mm -hmm. what I mean these these words carry more weight than my words do or or anyone else's words because I you know I think a lot of people didn't know what to say and you know I just can I can just speak from a personal place that God's word started to bring me a lot of comfort um that I could I still had a reason to have hope even if I didn't understand why I was here that you know God's still in the business of do, of surprises and miracles, and I don't know. It just it gave me an ability to to go to to a place I didn't want to go to, and and believe that this is where we were always going to be. Mm.
1: Let me ask you a question. I know mothers have guilt. You know, we, it just, you know, we, our kids skins their knee and we feel guilty. There may be mothers who have challenges and they look at what's going on in their life and they think, what did I do? Was it my fault? Was it something I did? Did you experience any of that Cameron when you first, when she first was diagnosed?
2: Yes. And, and immediately wanted to to pinpoint when it had happened because yes, did I, did I do something? Should I, you know, like... I don't know. Should I not have been dyeing my hair? You know what I mean? Should I, <laughs> oh, you start to think things. about all mm-hmm. those things with mm-hmm. like I thought I was being pretty healthy? Was there something I did that I shouldn't have done? Did I, you know, like yes, you just you because you want I just wanted to understand how. And yes, naturally it was in my body. You can't help but feel a little bit of guilty that it wasn't her fault, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but you know, there was even to be honest, too, it's it was funny, and I'm really grateful that. That God shined a light on this. That after birth, Elise had her little cord wrapped around her um, neck, and she was a little bit blue. Had to get oxygen. And I, I used to. You're gonna think this is. Maybe you won't think this is funny. Other mothers will <laughs> like this. Birth, the most epic thing that had ever happened mm-hmm. to me, and I had had a sweet friend who very quietly and and from the side filmed my birth. Mm-hmm. It was. It's not what you were thinking, but it was. <laughs> One of the most amazing things, when I, I, I'm so glad she did because I must have watched my birth video 20 times because it was just like, this is just an amazing. There's not a human and then there is a human and it came down <laughs> you know I mean, it was just, but then I started to be like, I wonder if she was on oxygen when she came out. And that's why she mm-hmm. was blue. And then I couldn't watch my birth video for like a year. And I ran into, um, I, I saw the midwives at Vanderbilt and, and the midwife who I saw, she, I ran, ran into her year, like a couple years later and she came over to my house and what cuz she actually wasn't there the night the day that i gave birth she was like the, the midwife that saw me all through my doctor visits mm-hmm. and then on the day that i gave birth was somebody else at the hospital um but she came over and watched my video and said cameron her apgar yes her initial minute apgar was a little bit low her 5 minute apgar scores were normal her 10 minute apgar scores which are those mm-hmm. scores that they rate right after birth mm-hmm. and she just immediately should have lied. To, it did not happen here cameron cuz if it had happened here there would have been all these other things and and i always like oh thank you i could go back and enjoy the beauty of her birth again you know and and i think i kind of had to let go of i am not going to know what the what the when it happened or why it happened it just happened mm-hmm. i know that god revealed it that god wants to heal elise that the, that the therapy journey has helped heal, heal elise mm-hmm. and that you know the reality is and and this was this is gosh we're going heavy it's kind of like graduate scuba gear we're going 10,000 feet deep <laughs> you know one of the biggest life changes for me was this, I, you know, in, I've all, as again, in part of my faith, I always knew that Jesus loved me and God loved me and that there was grace. And, and that's a lovely thing to think about. And that's true. But the Bible also says that we have an enemy who roams about seeking to whom he can kill and devour. And we don't, There is good and evil. And if you only focus on good and you don't acknowledge the evil, then I think you can wrongly appropriate things to God that are not Him. And I think in my hurt and disappointment, I did blame God a little bit. Like, where were you? You know, how did did this happen? And this wasn't God. This was the work of the enemy. The enemy is the one that stole her breath, not God. So Cameron,
0: I know that this wasn't the only thing you've experienced with Elisa's health that has
2: been difficult. Can you tell us about what happened next? When she was three years old, my daughter had started a new medicine and I started noticing some abnormal bruising and something in me was like, this is not, this is not normal. It took me a couple of days, but it then wasn't one son- of the side effects that you were told to look for or anything. Yes. And and initially I had read a side effect and it said abnormal bruising, but, but then I, I mean, she starts getting it on her arms, on her legs, on her chest. She had one on her forehead. Something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, Sunday I I call the neurologist and tell him, I think she's having an allergic reaction to this medication. She's got bruising everywhere. And, and he was at first a little bit like, you know, I've been giving this medicine for 20 years. I've never seen this. Mm -hmm. Um, Just give her her night dosage And, you know, and we can talk again in the morning or maybe go see your pediatrician. We hung up. And then again, something in me was like, no, James is my husband. Sent him a text of a picture of my daughter and said, this is what she looks like. This is why we are concerned. He called us right back and said, you are right. That is abnormal bruising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why don't you go to the pediatrician first thing in the morning? Have them run a blood panel. Mm. Let's see. What, let's see what, if there's anything else going on. Mm. And then that night, Elise started throwing up, mm. and she was very pale, yellow. And we get to the pediatrician 8 a.m. I'm there as the door opens, yeah. and she, the and pediatrician took one look at her and said, "No, honey, go right to the ER. I can tell you by looking at her, her blood work is not going to be normal." Right. And so we get to the ER. Um, oh gosh. You would think I'd be able to talk about Mm -hmm. this without being emotional. No. We get to the ER, and they do her blood work, and within 20 minutes, they get the results back, and she had something called schistocytes, which are fragments of blood within your blood, and there are only so many things that cause that, Mm -hmm. cancer, leukemia, you know, these autoimmune diseases, and so immediately, they actually, they said, okay, first of all, you're going to be admitted, and she's going to get two blood transfusions back-to-back, because- her red blood cells count was just, you know, demolished. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going, we're getting, we're getting admitted. And you, know, she needs two blood transfusions. And again, I think I still thought this is a side effect. And then she's just going to get off the medicine and her body's going to reset. Um, and then they were like, we, we think she has leukemia. Mm-hmm. Cause she was three years old. And I was like, what, you know, mm-hmm. what, what are you talking about? And, um, and then it was like, that. We it was just all hell breaking loose. Mm-hmm. The ER was so packed. We couldn't even, we weren't even, in, there wasn't even a bed for us. Vanderbilt Children's is such a hub for Nashville. And we spent the night in the ER. And there, I mean, it was just like craziness. Kids are crying. I mean, I remember Elise pulled out her transfusion and I had blood all over my shirt. It looked like I had been like in a horror movie. Oh, wow. And I went to go to the bathroom and I walked by this, other room right next to us where there was this little infant baby crying and and I I just was like oh my god what is going on And, and the sweet thing was like I when I was walking back I caught the mother and I looked at each other and I, and I walked right up to her and I'm like, do you want me to, would you like me to pray with you? And she was crying and she was like, yes, I don't know what's going on. And so I prayed with the stranger and that reset me. It was like, hold on a second. You are not the only one in hell. You know what I mean? This is a whole week, you know, it just like got me out of my own trauma for a second and was like, Lord, I do not know what's going on, but reveal, reveal what is at work and, and bring this out into the light so it can be dealt with.
1: So Cameron, when we find ourselves in challenges like you did, it's, it's incredible that reaching out to someone else doesn't necessarily just help them. It's really important for us as well. It does things for our hearts.
0: I know. I'm listening, thinking, you know, when my life gets crazy, how can I on purpose stop and look for someone else who's experiencing something difficult and, you know, bring them in and connect with them for my good and for her good as well? So tell us what happened next, Cameron.
2: And she did a bone marrow biopsy. It was negative. She did something called a flow report, which was her check in for cancer and her body it was negative. And there was this few days where we didn't have a diet. We had like five days of no diagnosis. And then we get told, we get handed from hematology over into nephrology and get told she has an ultra rare disease that we are the first pediatric case technically from Nashville, that there was one other little girl from Kentucky mm-hmm. who had been treated and that's how they were able to recognize it. And when I say ultra rare, they're like, for every million, there are two. Wow. And only one treatment, brand new drug that was FDA approved um, in 2000, September of 2011. And Elise was born in March, 2011. So I actually again, see a little bit of it, like a week wow. that God had the medicine that he knew she was gonna need. But we were, this was 2014. So this medicine had only been around for three years. It was the most expensive drug in the world. It's a Mm -hmm. drug called Soliris. So... We're in the hospital and I have to sign a document that says if for some reason my insurance does not cover the cost of this drug, that the hospital could only afford
1: to administer it to her for maybe two years tops. Oh no, two, they were saying to you, two years, you got because two years. Because
2: it's so, think about it. If, mm. if it if they estimated that the one year's dosage is a roughly a half a million dollars. Oh you word. know, So they're like, if this is, we can, you know, so at the time I did not know that there were other resources. But if you can imagine, you've just told me my daughter has an ultra rare disease, that there is only one treatment, that it is the most expensive drug in the world. And if my insurance doesn't carry it, the hospital can only afford to give it to her. I'm like, for two years, then what? She dies? You know, it was just like, you know, and I told God that that night, I, you know, because that scripture again, the enemy is like a roaring lion. who roams about seeking to whom he can devour. Then I feel so freaking hunted, hunted. And not only that, he wins. It's like, this is my kid. He's got me by the throat. And I'm telling you. (laughs) I'm telling you, like it was almost audible that God said, "Cameron, I know He is like a lion, but I am the lion of Judah, and I can out hunt what hunts you. And I'm going to teach you how to hunt him. You know, get up, go, go, speak over her out loud like you did. Speak to the brain damage. Speak to the ultra rare disease mountain the same way you spoke to that brain damage mountain. And I was like, Jesus, I don't even know what to pray." And he was like, well, go pray the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Cause my perfect will is her perfect healing. And it was all I could do to get up and like whisper in her ear and then get back, and, you know, cry on the couch. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what, all I can say is I've, I have like, I have felt been, been comforted in a way that I don't know if I'll ever be able to explain, but I could just feel God going, hold on. I love that you believe that I can. And I, and I, and I, and I can just hold on. And you know what, sure enough, our insurance covered that drug. And it took about a week, At least, got a total of six blood transfusions in the wow. hospital, but she started to get better, you know, and everybody rallied around us. My pastors, you know, came and they were like, do not camp here. The enemy will not take her without a fight. And people brought meals to us. And I tell you, boy, I, we were surrounded with people who were like, we believe too. It's mm-hmm. not over yet. and And until the end, you know, even though it's all out of our control until the end, we will petition and wage war and sling God's promises back against the enemy. You know, and that was like at some point it's all you can do is to just trust that that, you know, God's going to do the rest. You do everything you can. And then, you, you know, at, at one point, it's like you're either going to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what I mean? Or on the other side of eternity is where this is going to happen. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm our family is a story where it doesn't end in death. You know, this was a story of like, hold on a second, the enemy retreated right up out of our lives, and she ended up getting better. A hundred percent kidney function was restored, yeah. and, and then we kind of you know got on a new normal of we have a biweekly infusion by like clockwork, and she had to get a port. And, and then we were at, you know, then we were going to the hospital where that you get infusions for the first year and a half. And you're in a room with kids who are bald and getting chemo. And once again, kind of felt like how oh, we're in hell. And once again, felt like the Lord was like, this is not where kids come to die. This is where kids are in the fight of their life. Get in the fight. You know, look around. You're not the only one. And that helped you get to know the other families, the other mothers, you know, more opportunities to pray and join your faith. And I don't know. I just felt like that was a, another turning point of like, I don't know how we're going to get through this, but I also recognize that we're. You know we're not the only ones here, and that there are nurses, there are doctors. I felt like God showed us that there isn't, there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. We have a team that's come alongside us, and when I didn't know, they did. They helped us and walked with us. And what you felt like, how could this ever be okay? You know, after you know, eventually, again, you kind of start to go you it is going to be okay. You know, you get used to a new normal of, of biweekly infusions. And I don't know how to explain it other than you just are given a grace to walk through something that you're like, this isn't as bad as I thought. You know what I mean? This is gonna This is
1: going to be okay. Cameron, do you think, you know, you told us you were a military brat. And I sometimes watch women who go through very challenging, which obviously you have things, and I watch them pull from... Where, how they grew up, or things they learned, or whatever, where you know, do you think part of your upbringing helped you know how to fight? Helped you know because you were you had to be flexible, you had to live a different life. Do you think that helped? You know, it's funny looking
2: back. I mean, I guess I've definitely had lived an unconventional life from the beginning, but. But you know, in the military world, it's like you're not the only military brat. You know what I mean? Like when I, the schools I went to, all the kids traveled a lot. I went to three different high schools. You learn mm-hmm. how to be the, you learn how to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, maybe without realizing it, God had kind of set me up to where I'm. You're going to figure this out. You'll you'll learn how to make friends. You know, you'll you'll learn how to navigate this. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe there really was a um, a benefit to growing up and getting used to change that helped me adapt to the change that was going to come. You know, ahead in my adult life,
0: yeah, um I'm over here drying my eyes, Cameron. Thank you for sharing <laughs> all of that. Um, you're most certainly a strong woman, and we're we're grateful that you would be so vulnerable to share with us,
1: you know, Julie, we love having uh, women tell their stories. I know, as you said, Cameron was vulnerable. she shared something that's really, really difficult as a mom, I can't imagine facing the things that she did, but the encouragement is there too. So I hope that's what it does is encourage any mother out there who is facing any challenge, who has their own set of problems that they didn't anticipate. Yeah, and and even if you're
0: not a mom, I mean, I know I can glean from listening to Cameron's heart, her faith, um, her ability to continue to press on and um, look for the good even in the difficulty of her storm. And I just, I mean, I just got to tell you, friends, this is just the beginning of what we have to share from Cameron. Um, she actually goes on to tell us about even more difficulty that she and her family has faced, and we've decided to actually cut this in half and um, save the next part of her story. You will want to make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss part two of our interview with Cameron James. And and we also want to make sure you know that you can go follow her right now. You can find her on social media. We'll make sure to put all of her handles into our show notes. Um, You can always find uh, everything about our show on our Insta story. Um, So let's just go ahead and say it now. You should be watching our Insta stories and I'll be sure to tag our sweet friend there so you can find her to be following what she's continuing to do, sharing her story and her faith and her grit and her grace. So we're excited to bring part two of this amazing interview with Cameron James next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by The Grit and Grace Project. Take a few minutes and head over to iTunes to rate and review the show so more people can find us. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss an upcoming episode. If you can think of a friend who could benefit from this episode or the show in general, please be sure to share us with her. And for all the details on today's episode, find the show notes by heading to thegritandgraceproject.org. You can follow us on social so you miss nothing that we're sharing throughout the week on all things living a grit and grace life. We'll catch you on the next one.